We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Bing bada boom, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every week, the one and only, the handsome, the recently shaved Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? I cannot argue with that description. Anytime I get introduced as handsome and not a Wizards fan, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that, Alex. All right, so let's take what we can get today. Uh, I hope everyone else is doing well during this quarantine. I'm missing these Pacers just about uh, you know basically one through fifteen on the roster. Except I haven't hit quite missing TJ Leaf yet. Oh. Really? Not even a minute in, you got to throw shade at TJ Leaf during the quarantine? Come on, Fox. I haven't what is thrown wrong shade at I haven't had anything to throw shade at, so had to create an opportunity, and I went for it. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pacers March Madness Tournament, and it's around this time, I think last night would have been the National Championship game. So we're going to go ahead and unveil our Final Four and Championship round and determine our winners. So according to... To our voting committee, the uh, the four the final four. Fachi, do you have that up and ready? I do, I do. Right. We have um, right now coming out of Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. We have the one seat, the 1997 to 1998 Indiana Pacers that lost in Game Seven to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, going up against the actual number two seed over here. 
the 2012-2013 Indiana Pacers that lost in Game 7 to Miami and LeBron. Uh, and then coming out of the boom baby bracket, we have the one seed, the 1999-2000 Pacers, which infam- infamously went to the NBA Finals, coming up short against the Lakers. Taking on the one seed out of the Connecticut water bracket, uh, the 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers team, which also lost in the conference finals to the Miami Heat. All right, so that first matchup is between who now? So that is between 97-98 against 2012-2013. Ooh, this is a good game right here, Fachi. This is a great game. Uh, this is honestly probably... Probably the best game. I, I'd say the you know I, I don't know maybe not the best game, but a really 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 good game over here. You're talking about two teams that went to Game Seven, coming up just short in the conference finals against arguably the number one and two player in NBA history. Yeah. So I mean, you, you lost to Michael Jordan and LeBron in Game Seven, both on the road. I mean, you just get the feeling like this team was so close. I mean, just a, a really, really tough matchup. Alex, what do you think over here? Who you lean yeah. towards? Yeah, I, I got to go with 97-98 just because I feel like they had a little bit more talent, especially on the bench. You have Derek McKee on the bench, Jalen Rose, Travis Best. Uh, Antonio Davis was still with the Pacers at that time. I don't believe Sam Perkins was there yet. I think he came in 99 the year yeah, after. Yeah, he wasn't there. Antonio. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't there yet. But they had guys that had been there before. They had a lot of guys that had experience, but that Pacers team from 2012-2013, they were just tasting it for the first time. So I personally think it was more of a we're almost shocked that we're here type of thing, and it was a feel-good story where the other the other Pacers team was trying to upset the Bulls. They were constantly going up against the top dogs in the Eastern Conference. They had been in so many Eastern Conference finals in the 90s. They were really knocking on the door to try to win a championship, so... Yeah, I just think 97-98, more veterans, better team, depth-wise, and a team that was more experienced and would have a little bit more knowledge of how to play the game. Oh, definitely. I mean, when you're talking about 97-98, you're talking about a top-five offense and defensive team right over there, coached by Larry Bird. When you mentioned the bench, I mean, a very strong bench compared to 2012-2013. While I love both teams, and the 2012-2013 team is very fond to me, that bench is, you know, Tyler Hansborough, Gerald Green, DJ Augustine, Sam Young, Yamahimi. I mean, uh, our guy friend of the show, Orlando Johnson, you know, just, I mean, Ben Hansborough. I mean, Ben Hansborough. You wonder how that even happened. You know, (laughs) it was very frustrating to see the bench came up short countless times in that series. Yeah. Uh, And it was definitely something the Pacers had to address the following year, which we'll get to shortly. But no Danny Granger. The lack of Danny Granger, just a huge hole on that team that I find it hard for 2012-2013 to be able to pick up this win without Granger against a very good 97-98 team that maybe could have won it all against Utah if, yeah. if they make it to the finals. Yeah, that's fair. I think this game, this series, I want to say it goes five because I think the other Pacers, 97-98 team, was that much better. But I'll be nice and say it goes six. Six sounds right. I feel like that's that's an appropriate you know amount of games. You throw Granger in there, this could be a seven game series. But I feel like six games advantage ninety seven ninety eight. They pushed the goat to the level in his final year in Chicago when he was you know this wasn't an old 
Michael Jordan. This was still MVP level Michael Jordan. I know Carl oh, yeah. Malone ended up winning it, but I mean, let's be honest. Michael Jordan could have won MVP just about every year in the nineties. Yeah, I went back and watched Games Four and Game Six of the ninety-seven, ninety-eight Eastern Conference Finals there with the Pacers and Bulls because I just wanted to see what the Pacers. I just kind of forgot because it's been so long ago what they look like. And I tell you what, at home, Rick Smith was unbelievable. And the Duncan Dutchman, man, I tell you what, that game six against the Bulls, Reggie Miller had nine points. To force a game seven, it was Rick Smith. He went 11 of 12 from the field. 11 of 12. And he was on fire. Luke Longley couldn't stop him. Travis Best, Travis freaking Best, came up clutch in both games. The guy that everybody hates. So, yeah, (laughs) that's kind of how I feel about that team. Just a little bit underrated on that bench. And I think Rick Smith is a little bit underrated because I feel like today's generation does not really know Rick Smith like they should. So I can't agree more. I, I feel like he is that one guy whose highlights never come up. No, nope. I mean it's like if he's not hitting the game winner against Orlando in like '95 in the playoffs. I mean, I, you just do not see Rick Smith's highlights. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So anyway, let's move on to our next matchup in the Final Four. Facha, who you got? So this is where it gets, uh, you know, I don't want to say interesting, but just two teams that are just just great teams. I mean, one seeds. You're talking about the 99-2000 Pacers that go to the NBA Finals against the 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers that, you know, came up short in Game 6 against the Heat. But these were teams that were built to win a championship. They had just come up short, and it was like you felt like going into those years, hey, these teams, they could win it all. And uh, both teams, they, they won actually identical records, 56 and 26. Wow. Uh, so, you know, we got two juggernauts over here. But I got to go with the NBA Finals team. Just so hard to root against the Pacers team that went the furthest in the NBA. They had the first ranked all unit that you know pretty much that we touched on just before they were able to keep most of that unit together for a couple of years and i think that it, it just feels like a crime that they didn't walk away with one championship but at least they got to one well that's fair and i think you saw the tail end of that 2012 20 or was it 2013 2014 pacers team they just started to kind of unravel and they did you they know did. They, they made it such a big ordeal to get home court because they could beat the heat if they were the number one seed they got the one seed they lost in six and they had a chance to win game one let that one slip away i believe it was game one maybe it was game two i can't remember at this point what games we won maybe we won game one and five what did we win do you remember uh i I think it was game one is when lebron hit that game winning layup right was that when roy hibbert was off no that was 2012 okay that was the previous year all right um i I can't yeah i'm Yes, they they all mesh together. Those, those teams are very similar. Right. I mean, and we played the same team and got eliminated by the same team for three straight years. So it is what it is. I mean, people understand exactly, you know, what happened in that series. We lost in six, and it didn't feel like the Pacers stood a chance. They came back home for game five, down three to one. You hardly ever see comes, comebacks against, you know, the defending champs at that point. So got to say what it is. I, I just think, yeah, yeah, Sam Perkins, a guy – excuse me, a guy that had success with the Sonics and with the Lakers and different teams before coming over to the Pacers to take the, you know, fill the void of an Antonio Davis. Austin Crozier starts playing a lot better at that point as well for his, before he got his big contract. So the Pacers, 
that team, they almost lost in round one against the Milwaukee Bucks. And remember, that Pacers team almost lost to the Hawks. They won in game seven. So kind of similar in a certain way. But I do think that the 99-2000 team was just a little bit better than that 2013-2014 team. I do. I do. I think that 99-2000 team, I and mean, we talked about a couple episodes ago how you know the Pacers almost won that game for that pivotal overtime game where Kobe Bryant stepped up after Shaq fouled out. I mean, if the Pacers win that game, we're talking seven games in the NBA Finals. I mean, everything on the line. It, they really had an opportunity. And so they, it just shows how cl- how good these teams were and just mm-hmm. how close they were. And that, unfortunately, I feel like to non-Pacer fans, they're a bit forgotten about it. We're talking about teams that came up shy in Game 7. You know, it's like the Pacers just so successful. Just countless trips to the Eastern Conference Finals from basically 94 to 2014. I mean, just so many appearances in the Conference Finals. Um, I feel like, just as you mentioned before, though, the fact that that 2013-2014 team really started to unravel was like, I did not have a good feeling about that team when they went to the playoffs. To lose to the Hawks in round one would have been a huge embarrassment. And that series, I, I remember, I mean, we talked about it months ago, how David West had that huge shot that basically won one of those playoff games. And it should have never been like that. To have been on the wrong side of a 1-8 loss would have been brutal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been awful. So now in our championship match, we've got 97-98 Indiana Pacers up against the NBA Finals team. Is that right? Yep, exactly. All right. So I want to go ahead and just say that I think the 97-98 team was just better than the 99-2000 team. I agree. I agree because when we mentioned before, top five in offense and defense, it's so hard to – those right there, that's championship worthy right yeah. there when you're that balanced of a team. Um, obviously, they're both coached by Larry Bird, and they're both very similar rosters. So it, it seems like 97, 98, you're not really losing anybody in regards to, you know, like, oh, man, how are we going to fill this out? I mean, it, it's just – they're both really good teams, but 97-98, if you don't run up against Michael Jordan, I, I think I think that team wins championship that year. I really do. Well, and here's what I'll say, too, because a lot of people um, that were in our voting committee, they actually voted for the, the finals team as a better team, which was interesting. And it's like, okay, but first of all, here's my biggest thing. If you look at that team from the finals team compared to the 97-98 team, it's pretty much identical rosters. So the only players, in my opinion, that significantly got better from 97-98 to 99-2000 are Jalen Rose and probably Travis Best. Maybe Austin Crozier a little bit, but you lose Antonio Davis. Rick Smith was probably on the tail end of his prime when it came to the finals that year. Reggie Miller had started to lose a little bit of a step against the Lakers in that series because we saw, I mean, Reggie played 18 years. Mark Jackson was at the tail end of his career, Stan Perkins, McKee, Mullen, obviously. I mean, all these guys were at the end of their careers by the time they got to the finals. So they weren't, you know, a, a little bit, with a little less, uh, what am I trying to say here? A little less experience or a little less, you know, minutes played, minutes logged. They were probably a better team in 97, 98 than they were in 99, 2000. But hey, I just think the East was worst uh, in 99, 2000. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, when you're when you're taking out the Bulls, who had just dominated for so long, the Bulls were horrible yeah. that year. So you're talking about a couple of years earlier. I mean, they're they're basically going through their second three-peat in six, you know, in, in eight years. Um, and then 99-2000, they're essentially the worst team out there. Um, so just a huge difference. But, you know, that 99-2000 team, while obviously they make it to the finals, I mean, they're 13th ranked in defense, their defensive rating. I mean, that's basically, you know, a, a pretty mediocre average defense compared to the 97-98 team. Um, so it, it's just – it's tough. They're just mirror images uh, of each other, basically. And I, I think that, man, 97-98, they deserve to go to an NBA Finals. They really did. Yeah, they really did. It sucks that they didn't get that chance to. And they should have won Game 7 against the Bulls. But, of course, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, the refs, they had different plans. David Stern, frozen envelope all the way to that. We know it was all David Stern-oriented. He was trying to screw the Pacers from getting to the finals. It killed him that we were the team that represented over the Knicks. And that it could have been Knicks-Lakers in 2000. Oh, my God, imagine that. But no, it was the Pacers. We got there. He couldn't do anything to help the Knicks because they were that bad. That overrated. Allen Houston, overrated as all get out. Marcus Camby, overrated at that point. Larry Johnson, come on. He didn't live up to the hype. That team was lucky that they got there the year before. And it really should have been the Miami Heat. Because that Miami Heat team in 98-99 was really good. And that Mm -hmm. could have been Pacers. They were one seed. Exactly. Should have been Pacers Heat then. So, anyway, Fotch, I think that... It would have been interesting, but just another thing to touch on. 97-98, you know, in the first two rounds, they go 7-2 and two overall. I mean, just kind of blowing through the competition. 99-2000, more of, you know, it's 3-2 over the Bucks. I mean, that was, that was you know, we've talked about that. That was tough. Uh, Travis Best, I remember, hit some big shots. Um, hit the game yeah, they win the series. in the corner. Yep, the three. exactly, and needed it. Uh, you know, 4-2 against the Sixers. Uh, 4-2 against the Knicks. I mean, it's just they weren't really putting teams away like as easy as uh, in 97-98. But, man, uh, in the end, I, I think that that 97-98 team, to Pacer fans, it's always going to be remembered. But to, to the rest of the league, it's kind of forgotten, unfortunately, because you, <laughs> no, know, you, remember, the reg- you remember the Reggie moment. Everybody remembers that. The, the, the push-off, nails the three. There I was mean, no push-off. Well, that was a know. shove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, whatever you want to call it, it was magical. I had the poster in college. I just loved it. All my oh, roommates, yeah. all non-Pacer fans were like, we're not actually putting this up, are we? And I said, oh, yeah, we're putting it up. All right? We did. I loved it. Yeah, Fachi was the present-day Nick killer in Nicktown. So I love it. But hated anyway, man. There is your finale the final four the champion has been revealed it was the 1999-2000 team based on our voting committee but we picked 97-98 so Pachi we get outnumbered in this one unfortunately because there was about nine people in that voting committee but this is our podcast so I think we have the rights to do whatever we want I think our votes are worth about five each right there's only nine of them so it's 10-9 right now Ask, ask, (laughs) ask babe is she still in the room uh yeah, babe, you're being summoned. You're going with the 97-98 Pacers team, right, for the win? She says yes. All right, I, I love a nod. It's a really great <laughs> for audio on the podcast. 
Oh Thanks, yeah, babe. appreciate it. <laughs> but anyway, there we go. So we had three to nine. Uh, I think that, that that makes sense. We're the uh, we're the electoral college, you know. <laughs> the voting works different here, so their votes didn't account for as many as ours did. Plus, I think there was two votes for uh, the ninety seven ninety eight team as well, so they can come join our side. Okay, well then there we go. So it's been settled. Uh, but hey, in the end, you can never knock the team that went to the NBA Finals. I mean, it's the team that statistically did get the furthest. So, you know, they, they were both very worthy competitors of, of that uh, top spot. Absolutely. Well, it's been real, Flatch. I always love talking to you, my man. That it has, brother. You staying safe during this time? Uh, what's that, What's the latest? What are you keeping busy with? Oh, yeah. So that's a good question. So right now, I, I'm sorry if you guys can hear me. I've been eating peanut butter pretzels. Um, where I work at, we're essential, and we've had to let some people off. So we pretty much cut our staff in half. And it's tough. I've been moved from different position to different position. In about three weeks, I've been, had a different position each week. So trying to learn new things at work, which is always fun and challenging. So I work in a warehouse, not too big of a deal, but, you know, when you go from delivery driver to uh, in-house receiver into a shipper, you got to learn all the different things and the regulations and all that. So just stand busy with that. But when I come home, if it's nice out, I try to get a little exercise in, go for a walk, you know, just enjoy the fresh air. But if I'm inside, Fotch, i got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm super late to the game, super, super late, but... I was like, what What can I watch? Because I never watch any TV shows. I pretty much just watch basketball, football, baseball. I just watch sports. And so I've seen The Office, obviously. And um, James Spader, who played as Robert California the last couple seasons of The Office, stars in The Blacklist on NBC. And so I was like, okay, let me see what this show's about. I mean, I'm just curious. It looks pretty good. And me and my wife are hooked. We absolutely love the show. Uh, we're still in season one. We're on like episode 12 or something like that. We just started on Saturday. So that's been my new find, The Blacklist. I'm abs- absolutely loving it. Super intense show. Love, uh, you know, suspenseful shows like that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So long story short, I'm just staying busy. But uh, how about you? I know you're staying at home quite a bit for work, right? Yeah, so I've been working from home. You know, I've uh, felt a little cooped up. I'm about one week shy of being a month at home. Um, I promoted Babe to my uh, president right over here of Fachi Corp. So I got her a desk in, in my room, and you know we're uh, we've set up our shop over here. And uh, other than that, I've been staying in shape. I'm going to be the one guy coming out of this quarantine in better shape than I was before. So I've really been uh, it looks hitting like the workout some hard. Weight. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, I wasn't too fat to begin with, but uh, no, I'll take that as a compliment. Your cheeks. Yeah, uh, I you appreciate lost? that. Uh, I'm down a couple pounds. I'm probably down uh, maybe could be like six pounds over the past like two months or so. Yeah, I can um, tell. I can tell. I'm just good at that stuff. Hey, well, I appreciate it. The beard is gone. Tell maybe. when someone's losing weight because I always gain it. <laughs> well, I've been putting in that work, and as Alex reaches for more pretzels, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I got no TV shows, guys. I, I crushed uh, Tiger King. I watched WrestleMania recently, which was interesting. It was it was tough without the fans. Uh, they I, you should know. just pump crowd noise in. It would be so much better. That's what Babe said, but I didn't know if it would come off as like a Big Bang Theory type where you're like, oh, come on. Like, no one was cheering for that. You know, so it, it was interesting. I had to do it. But I saw part of it. It, 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 it was awkward. And the worst part was, was like, 
I'm the wrestling guy in my house. So I convinced everybody to watch WrestleMania, and I felt like I was holding people down against their will to watch this because yes, at were. times it, it was pretty brutal. Well, that's it. That's all you've been doing? Yeah, staying in shape, working. Um, you know, I am moving. Uh, Babe and I are moving in together later this month. So packing up the house. We packed up her place. Uh, exciting times ahead. Yeah, and I'm in the process of buying a home by uh, by June or July. So, yeah, I'm wow, out there with congrats. you. Thank you. You know, this is a fun process. It's given me something to do. I pretty much every night go on realtor.com and just look and see what's available. You know, heart and save those ones that look interesting to us in our budget. But, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Can't wait for the next process. But, anyway, Foch, we've been rambling here for quite a bit. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening to us talk about the Pacers in our tournament. And until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Ladies and gentlemen of Setting the Pace, I want to welcome on 14-year NBA veteran and truly one of the best shot blockers of the 2000s, Samuel Dallenbear. Sam, what's going on? Good, good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. So, guys, a little bit of a funny story here of how uh, Sam and I came into contact. Is actually my grandpa ran into Sam at an art show back in Florida, yeah. I want to say back in January. And, you know, since you guys don't know, I have a very talkative grandpa. And he, he <laughs> takes one look at Sam and he goes, wow, if I'm putting a team together, I want that guy on my team. And it actually turns out to be NBA veteran Samuel Dallimer. And, Guys, Sam was nice enough to talk to me on the spot because my grandpa forced him into a phone call. But, Sam, what was that experience like for you? Were you thinking, you know, no. who is this guy? <laughs> Man, it was it was great. You know, for, um, you know, usually, like, when you have the kids, you know, you try to find some stuff to do over the weekend. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, you try to do fun stuff, you know, uh, educational stuff. So we find those, uh, this art place, and we went and visited, and, you know, my son was really excited. You know, he was running all over the place, <laughs> uh, and the kids loved it. And then I met your grand, your grandpa, and then uh, we start talking about basketball. <laughs> um, he didn't know I play, and then you know, just talking. He said, "Hey, you want to play my team?" I said, "Hey, you want to be my agent?" <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, we just got into the conversation with each other, and then um, you know, and he was he was very nice, very pleasant guy. Um, and then, you know, from the spot, he told me about, about you and I said, yeah, let me talk to you. Let me talk. He called you right away. And then I said, let me talk to your, your grandson. So, uh, that's how we got in contact. <laughs> yeah, no, I really appreciate that. It was actually my grandpa that got me into sports growing up. So it took me to my first game and, you know, a situation like this, never expected it, but Hey, you never know who's going to be walking around at an art show, I guess. But you, you know, never know. You, you never, never know. know. But Sam, <laughs> right now we're going through kind of a crazy time with no basketball, yeah. just no sports. I mean, you were involved in the NBA lockout in 2011. How did oh, wow. you stay busy during that time? Because what's the mindset like of a player with no basketball going on? You're out of your routine. I'll be honest with you, man. Um, my my answer today is completely different than before I had kids. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> before I had kids, you know, you'd be bored. You see nothing inside. You're like, oh. You know, and then you don't want to go play too much because usually when you go play with other kids and then know you play in the NBA, they try to come and talk on you or they try to showcase on you. So now, you know, your inner instinct 
take over, take over, and then you might end up hurting yourself before the before the season. You know what I'm saying? Just playing mm-hmm. a pickup game. So a lot of times you try to control yourself a little bit. But uh, I, I must I must admit, man, um, it's it, I think I think it was gonna be much easier when you retired. It's harder when men dealing with the kids, man, than getting a couple elbows with Shaquille O'Neal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different kind of energy. Yeah, sometimes you just want to scream, man. You want to run over the house. Yeah, man, I just tell you that, man. I tell you that that's a million times. You want me to record it and just play it on repeat? <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, you know, tough, especially around this time. You know, it's fun and, and it's hilarious also, also sometimes. And then you see that one one kid's telling the other one, stop looking at me. I'm like, this is a free country, you know, but I don't want him looking at me. I'm like... <laughs> You know, um, you know, getting stuck with the kid and quarantine yourself inside the house with them kids. Man, sometimes I try to run and go to the gym and close the door, but they're still finding me, man. They're still smelling. I bet <laughs> they're always gonna find you. But oh my god! What what advice would you give to NBA players right now to of how they can stay in shape and keep their body ready? Because there's a difference between being, you know. Uh, fit and then being NBA fit and when you don't have yes. the practice facilities it's tough it is it is I mean uh, for somebody like me who, who had so many surgeries you know I mean I had eight surgeries um, wow. and you know the rehab was the the toughest part um, especially when you, you think you're in shape you know you're not in game shape you know you might be mm-hmm. in shape to do the elliptical the bike um, you know you're going fast but when you step on that court and you start banging and you start moving it's a whole different level, you know, so it's all different things, cardio. So my advice for the guys, you know, especially if the guys, you know, who, who can go on the swimming pool and swim, which is a really great exercise, you know, by swimming a lot, um, you know, and especially right now, you cannot get together and play, you know, so that make it even tougher. At least in a lockout, you know, you can go and, and you know, get together with some players and then play some pickup game maybe twice a week, two times a week just to keep you going, to keep the body you know, the blood flow. Um, but, um, you know, that that would be my only advice at this point, you know. So if you have a pool, go in the pool, swimming, do some laps, uh, you know, still keep your weight up, do some cardio, keep things moving. Uh, and uh, who knows? It, <laughs> you know, we don't... It's true. Just, yeah, it it's is, unpredictable. It Just got to stay ready. It is unpredictable. Yeah, you got to stay ready because you don't want to come back. The hardest thing is probably with an older, older veteran. You know, mm-hmm. when you come back, you know what I'm saying? It's it's different from a younger kid, you know what I mean? I remember when I first came in the league, you know, I'm I'm coming in, you know, like I didn't have to do nothing after the practice. I didn't put no ice on. And the Kevin Mutombo used to be like, yo, big fella, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you know, you're going to run. I said, damn, I said, damn, dude. you got ice all over me. you like an ice man. You got ice <laughs> on the ankle, ice on the elbow, ice on the wrist, ice on the knees. You know what I'm saying? Even ice on his on, on his back. I'm like, damn, I said, Dave. I mean, you might as well just wait to a, a cold, cold tub ice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why are you the bag of ice for? So he used to tell me, yo, you go to see. You know, you want to pull off your life? You want to pull off your career? You got to take care of your, your body. Take care of your body. And seriously, that was the, that was one of the, 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 the good, great advice he gave me. You know, so uh, soon after that, a couple of years after, a few years after, you should see me. I was just like right there with Dick with some ice. <laughs> with Dick and me with some ice all over my body. Uh, but, um, yeah. I, I got to say, that was an awesome Dikembe Mutombo impression. I got to oh. give you props there. <laughs> so, 
yeah, but, I mean, you know, those are those are things. You know, I was very fortunate to have some vets uh, in my team, um, you know, to learn from. And most importantly, I was very fortunate to have a top coach, you know, Larry mm-hmm. Brown. You know, and, yep. um, and Larry Brown, we were on the same leg. You know, he was a defensive coach. Um, I was a defender, and I learned so much, you know, uh, from him. Uh, even though he was tough on me, sometimes I'd be like, man, this old man, man, oh man, he's getting on my nerves. You know what I'm saying? Why are you screwing at me? I'm doing my things. I'm doing the right thing. Why are you screwing? But he was just, he always wants the best. You know, he always tells you that as a rookie, you got to learn. Um, you know, he was kind of tough too, but hey, you know, you learn from that. And then uh, you were able to find your, you know, you find your niche in the league. Uh, and then you will, you know, I was able to make a career for myself. Of course. You know, Sam, what I was curious, before all, all of that, you know, joining before joining the Sixers, I mean, you grew up in Haiti, you moved over to Montreal, and then you settled in New Jersey where you eventually commit to Seton Hall. You're making the jump after your sophomore year to the NBA. What made you feel like that was the best time and that you were ready? Because I believe, was it you were a third-team All-American as a freshman? Yeah. Listen, this is this is this is a, this is a very good question, you know. And I always tell I always tell a lot of young kids now these days, you know. And um, you know, thank God I was I was I was very, you know, fortunate to be part of the basketball without borders and be able to travel all over the world, you know, work with young kids, you know. Um, and to tell you the truth, a lot of times, you know, what I see is a lot of kids always think like I'm gonna make the NBA, I'm gonna make the NBA. And when kids ask me, when did you know you're going to make the NBA? I never knew I was going to make the NBA. You know, um, you know, to me, what I, what I saw is an opportunity where, you know, it was, it was something new for me to learn a new sport. And I always wanted to learn basketball. Uh, and then I always, I didn't like challenge. You know, when people would challenge me, I wanted to prove you wrong and prove myself I can do it. Um, and I started, they saw me playing soccer. And they asked me, you play basketball? I said, yeah, why not? And I started playing basketball. I started pushing myself. But there's one thing that um, somebody couldn't take away from me is my heart, you know. And mm-hmm. if you tell me to go get that ball, I would just go and fight and go get it, you know. And I'll, somebody scored me once or twice, you know, I take it personal, you know. I respect it. Um, so those things, those things will come naturally by playing soccer, you know. And um, so to me, what happened is they told me if I continue like this, I might have a scholarship. You know, I say, you know, scholarship, you know, and they say, yeah, they will pay your college for you. I say, what do I have to do? <laughs> you know, free scholarship, free, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, it's unheard of because, you know, living in Canada, all they're known for is hockey. Yeah, it's amazing sure. to me. It's amazing to me the sport, basketball sport was created by Canadians. And then, you know, and now, <laughs> you know, hockey is the national, you know, sport in Canada. Mm-hmm. So... Basketball, you know, I didn't expect to have a scholarship. You know, now they're still having some program now in, in Canada, especially in Montreal to Toronto. Uh, they're having program now for high school kids be able to pay partial scholarships for university and things like that, which is great. Mm-hmm, but uh, growing up in the 90s, there was nothing like this. You know, if you don't play hockey, and you'd be surprised to see a black man playing hockey. So now <laughs> it's pretty rare. <laughs> so, so to me, you know, it was the first time I see I see ice, you know, I see snow in my life. You know, it's when I moved to Canada, and I'm like, whoa, the plane is landing. Where the plane is landing? That there's snow, there's ice out there. You know, <laughs> so to me, like I'm I'm going, I see snow for the first time, and I go out there, and I'm like, whoa, 
you know, I'm like, you know, I was working like a penguin, like a big <laughs> six foot seven penguin, you know, like, man, what, what is this? You know, I'm like, at least the hunger is, it's less, it's less, um, and, you know, under the heat than the cold, you know what I mean? <laughs> when you're hungry, it's cold, man, it's a different story. So, uh, but, you know, it was a, it was a good experience, you know, I, I was able to, you know, spend time in, in Canada and learn the system, see how the system works over there. And has the has the opportunity to come to this great country, you know, uh, of opportunity, you know, what I'm saying to be able to have a scholarship, you know, I was very I was very excited. And um, from there, um, you know, it's uh, I make the decision to leave is because you know when my grandmother was sick, and I said, you know what, um, I think it's time to go. Uh, and I knew the coach was gonna leave in college mm-hmm. from Yarmouth. And I knew what was going on, so I said, hey, it's time to go. If I don't make it, then, you know, I find a, I find a job someplace in overseas and, and, you know, be able to help my, my family. So uh, I made the decision. Very and respectful. From that point on, yeah, from that point on, you know, it was, it was, um, it was you know, the, 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 the struggle began. You know, people always think when you make the NBA, oh, I made it. No, <laughs> you start all over again. You got to make a name for yourself. You got to establish yourself. You got to learn quick. Um, you know, especially in the league. You know, like they don't have. It's not like in high school and college, where you know, like you got a coach who's taking you and developing. Um, like I said, I was very fortunate to have a coach who's very fundamental, which is Larry Brown. Mm-hmm. He was doing the same basic stuff all the time, so which is good for me because I needed that. Especially, especially I haven't been playing basketball for so long. Um, you know, going to those. Uh, 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 going through this process with him, he was able to help me a lot, you know, to to find a way to stay in the league. So that's the toughest part now in these days, trying it, to stay in the league. It really is. I mean, it's it's not meant for everybody. You know, it, you start to gain a lot more credit for the the fifteen year role players. You know, because it takes mm-hmm. a lot to stick around. A guy like Jared Dudley, who yep. you know he's stuck around for a, quite some time now because he's valuable. He does all the little things, but. You know, you're going over to Philly. They draft you. They're fresh off an appearance in the NBA Finals where, you know, Shaq and Kobe, the, a, a great Lakers team, took them out. And they're looking for some help to be able to defend a guy like Shaq. You come in there. Minutes are inconsistent off the bat as a rookie. How tough was it? You're joining a team that they're trying to win now. Listen, I that's also, yes, that was also pressure. You know, as you, as you know, um, you know, some of the greatest cities, um, you know, with, with also tough cities, you know, you can see it like you, you know, you got Chicago, you got Boston, you got, you know, Philly, you got New York, you got, you know, those cities got very, you know, tough fans, you know, and they have a lot of tough fans. They want, they want it now, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And with Larry, we were always able to, you know, to make the playoffs. Yeah. There was no doubt we're going to make the playoffs. It's a matter of, you know, how far we go in the playoffs. So, um, you know, when I came in, of course, you know, um, especially like, you know, like, you know, they had in mind to, to draft somebody else, you know, the general manager, you know, he had in mind to draft somebody else. Um, and then I come in, I had my opportunities with Larry, um, and, you know, and he was tough on me, you know, because also, you know what I'm saying? I had to prove myself. Um, and it's hard to prove yourself, especially when you don't play. Exactly. You know the hardest time you do, to prove yourself. Yeah. Whatever you do in practice doesn't cut. Nobody gets to see, you know, and uh and then you have to wait for your time. Um, but at the same time, 
you know what I'm saying? And you want to learn because when you do get your time, you might not have a second chance. That might be your only chance to prove yourself, to showcase yourself. And that's why I think a lot of time, you know what I'm saying, some of the young players forget or some of the players also, they, they forget that, hey, don't keep asking for opportunities. And then when you get the opportunities, you blow it over and then you're making excuses. Nobody want to hear the excuse. You know what I'm saying? You got to get your opportunities and then you got to seize it. Boom. You grab it. Now they're going to be like, oh, wow, you know what I'm saying? We give him 10 minutes. Oh, look at what they give us. All right. Well, let's give him 15 next time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Let's give him 17 next time. Let's give him 20 next time. And it's unfortunate. Some of us, you know, and I always say that, and, and um, you know, some of us are going to come in who's going to have the red carpet for us. No matter what you do wrong, they're still going to give you the red carpet. You know what I'm saying? You're always yeah. going to be that player that they want to build a franchise around. You're going to make all the mistakes you can make. They're still building a franchise with you. And others, we don't have those chances and opportunities. You know what I'm saying? If you messed up one time, you might get a second chance or you might not. It's so, true. Each, each team and, can only have one or two stars, you know? Exactly. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, players don't understand, you know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of guys don't understand is the fact that, yeah, life is not fair. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, that's the way it is. At the end of the day, you know, let's 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 do the best we can with what we have. Um, and, you know, it was tough. It was tough coming in, you know, and then I, they would put me in. I'm going. Coaches tell me, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. Slow down. I was going 100 miles an hour um, because, you know, it's it's tough when you're coming in. You see, you see players, or, you know, you see about like nine players get traded in one year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And then you and then you'd be like, damn. That might be me next time. Whoa, what's going on? If there's a deal sometimes, you know, it's not because the teams don't want you sometimes. It's because, you know, when they're making a trade, you know, they throw you in as a bonus. Or sometimes they throw you in and then be like, hey, you know what? The other team say, I want this player. You know, they see the potential, you know, that the other teams don't see. And then they want you and they throw you in. And, you know, and you never know. And, and a lot of times, you know, when I saw when I saw those things, I was like, man, that that even motivated me to even work even harder, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was tough. And then, but second year, it was even tougher because then I missed the whole second year with yeah, two major sure. surgeries, Oof. two major surgeries I had. Um, and then again, you know, uh, I was on the block to get traded, um, and um, you know, and then thank God, you know, um, I was able to. I was able to discover new pills, which is banned from 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 uh, you know from here because a lot of people was having heart attack with it. It was a wow. new pill called Vi. Yes, because you know you 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 know when you get those surgeries and stuff like that, they give you just uh, different generic you know pills like Vioc. No, they give you a uh, Celebrex. They give you something else. But the one pill was working for me, uh, was really helping me is Vioc. Um, so when the doctor gave me the Vioc, I was like, whoa, this is like. This is like another level. I was like, whoa. And then I'm, you know, and the next day, you know, I went and practiced and I went to the game in the summer camp and I started putting big numbers. And then they'd be like, what happened to Sam overnight? And, you know, that was that, that, was that pill. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did. You did bounce back strong because your career really yeah. took off there. And someone who, you know, as you mentioned before, one of the star players on that team who's synonymous with Philly, Allen Iverson. Can you tell me yeah. just how cold Allen Iverson really was? Because that man was a walking bucket. And what was your reaction when he ended up getting traded 
Did that shock you? Yeah. Yes, it shocked it shocked me. Like the thing is AI was AI was a physical player, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, for, I I used to call him a stick bomb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he coming in, Babacho, you know, he coming in, man, and he's just banging all over the place. I'm like, damn, man, why you like to bang all the time? You know what I'm saying? But he was coming inside, always want to bang. And then, uh, you know, you should see him before the game putting a lot of pads all over his body, you know, like he's going, he's going, <laughs> he's going to play football or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he was getting ready. So it was a great thing. But one thing I really kind of like, me and AI, we started developing. And I remember in practice, we started to be like, yo, you know, AI was like, dang, I can, I can throw the ball anywhere on the basket. You go get it. And he used to tell the point guard, just throw it anywhere on the basket. Sam's going to go get it. And we started to talk to each other. And he started telling me, he said, Sam, when I take off from here, don't even respect me to give you the ball. Just go to the, go to the board for the rebound because I'm going straight to the basket. And I'm like, all right. He said, when I take off from there, be ready. You know, I'm going to throw it up for you or I'm going to pass it around for you. So we started to develop that, and that's why we started to have Ali Youp a lot. You know, he was throwing the ball for me. Uh, but I tell you, man, we, we had some great team. Um, you know, we had our opportunities and chances. To, to, to do some stuff. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't control uh, the business side, you know, um, and decision they're making. And sometimes the decision they make is for the book, you know, it's for their own, you know, their own personal, um, you know, reason. So mm-hmm. um, there was no control over that. So sometimes that's what kind of frustrated players also. And I think AI was kind of frustrated at some point where he, he was tired of hearing Oh, let's rebuild, let's rebuild, let's rebuild. So oh, he, was like, <laughs> he was like, you know, how long are we going to keep building? Exactly. <laughs> he, used to, he used to be like, I used to be like, yo, you know, I used to make fun. And I was like, man, the pyramid was already built. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I just felt like his name was being floated out there in trade rumors for years. That once it finally happened, I don't think anyone was shocked. It just felt like they were finally able to kind of move on, and you know Iverson will always be synonymous with Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and it was a change too. But you got to understand also, um, and that seems when I was there for nine years, I had eight coaches in nine years. Wow, you know? that is a lot. So yeah, and, and people don't realize that. You know, it's like having a new boss every time. When you try to figure out this boss, and you say, "Oh, okay, I kind of figured out what he wants," you know what I mean? And then you go ahead and, and, and apply yourself and understand what he wants. Then you got the next one coming in. That's tough. <laughs> and you're not getting, you got the next one coming in. Then now you start going out there and figuring it out and be like, "Whoa," you know what I'm saying? And then now the tough thing too is just a lot of time you got coaches who are incapable of communicating with the superstars. So mm-hmm. now, where are they going to take the frustration from uh, or to? To the young kids. You know what I'm saying? But they can talk to the young kids. So sure. they're going to take on the young kids. But the young kids don't even play. I think like, we just saw that with the, the Cavaliers <laughs> and John Beeline. You know, he came over from Michigan. They fired him after half a season. They let him go because he couldn't communicate with the older players. So You can't. You just can't, like what you were talking you... about there. Exactly. I mean, it's it's just tough. It's both sides. It's tough. It's tough from a coach's perspective. It's it's tough from an organization. And also, you got to understand, you know, you bring a coach in, you know, and then now in this day, you know, nothing against, you know, some of the coaches. You, you can see so there's some exception of young coaches. But you got coaches who never played the game. You know, mm-hmm. you got guys who become that's, coaches. That's hard. Who, hard to relate. Who is a, who, exactly. It's, it's kind of hard for a, a veteran to – 
to relate with somebody who's going to give him advice about something when he's been playing the game for a long time, you know? So, exactly. And, and then people don't take that in consideration. And, and, and then when you want in a, when you want in a business so, so, so much money like this, and then you got to take into consideration also who you're going to hire and who's in, because I mean, I'll be honest with you. You got players who play the games, never get a chance to become a head coach. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got Patrick Ewing. You got Patrick Ewing. Oh Ruin. my God. I'm a firm believer. He deserved a job in the NBA, and luckily Georgetown gave him that job, but it's sad that it had to be his alma mater, you know? Thank you. Thank you. You see what I'm saying to you? But you can give a a video coordinator a job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not that we know I I mean, I'm not talking bad about anything, but it's just kind of like there's some some teams sometimes, you know what I'm saying, they're running their business. You can get mad when you see the chemistry is not there between the coaches and the players. It's got to be you know, frustrating. It's got to be, exactly. It's a but, frustrating situation, you know. Sam, when you're talking about some of the toughest challenges, I want to know who was the <clears throat> toughest person that you had to defend? Because a name like oh Shaq God. comes to mind. You, know, you got Yao Ming. I mean, you were playing in the era of a lot of a lot of good big men. You know, there's Tim Duncan yeah. out there. Yeah. Who comes to oh, mind yeah, yeah. as the hardest for you to defend? It, it is it is tough, and uh, a lot of time what's happening is in you know as my career was was progressing and coaches start realizing that I can guard, you know outside outside because with my quickness, um, you know and a lot of time the reason they don't want me to guard for example when we were playing Detroit at some point they put me on Ben Wallace, mm-hmm. uh, and then they put Chris Webber on Rashi Wallace, and then Rashi Wallace come in and then you know Chris was having a struggle with his knee. Uh, and then Washi coming in, and then now the next the next game I had to grab Washi, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. what it is is they start a lot of time coaches has uh, the mentality of keeping me close to the basket, you know what I'm saying? Because they figured out if they keep me away from the basket, now everybody's gonna drive in the paint, which I understand. But sometimes you can't stop everything. You gotta you gotta make you gotta pick and choose the battle how you're gonna go about it, and. You know, there are times where, you know, when I was playing against Dirk Nowinski, you know, Dirk is taller because Dirk can shoot over a small forward or power forward. Shoot over anybody. <laughs> exactly. Shoot over anybody. But at some point, if you put me against Dirk, I'm going to make him put the ball in the basket, but he's not as fast as me to go to the basket. So I would rather put him, make, make him put the ball in the basket and guard him, but guarding Dirk is going to keep me away from the basket, so I'm going to be all over the three-point line. So now the paint is wide open, you see? So yeah. we got all this little thing sometimes where, you you know, it was kind of like you want to put your input in it, but at the same time, you try to go with the game plan from the coach, you know what I'm saying? So you try to, you know, try to uh, exercise the game plan as, as best as possible and, and then at the same time improvise, you know what I'm saying, because you don't want to get killed, you know what I'm saying? Of course. So, so those are the tough situations a lot of time. And then sometimes you got coaches who say, hey, you know, what do you guys think? What's your opinion? How do you think you play? And sometimes you have coaches or uh, dictatorship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'd be like, this is my way. That's it. If you don't do my way, that's it. You know what I'm saying? That's tough. And, uh, that's that's, that's is, rough. It is, it is you a, just got to try and follow situation. it, make the most of it, yeah, of what you can do. Exactly. But, but who was the nightmare matchup for you? Was there a guy that you looked at I and think, said? I think, yo, yo, listen, man. You know, I, I always say a big horse, man. You know, Shaq. Oh yeah. You know, because the thing Shaq is, Diesel. you know what I'm saying? I know, I know, I I can run, but the problem is trying to try to battle with this dude and pushing him back down and just get you tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially, 
especially when you start going to, you let him go inside the pin and he's just turn his body in and then you just grab the ball. That's it, man. That's yeah, it. There's nothing you can do. Be, it, you would have needed two elbow. or three guys no matter who you are. I mean, I, I truly think he was the most dominant big man of all time. I, I don't know if we'll see another. Yeah, he had I really it. don't. He had it. He had it. Especially the young Shaq, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, you know. He was able know, to run when he was in Orlando. He was able to win one. He was able to run. And then he has that strength. And, you know, and then, you know, you know, to me, I had to, I had to step away and break contact and go in front of him, deflect the ball and do all that stuff just to, just to run the clock down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because as the clock, no, seriously, as the clock yeah. went down, you know what I'm saying? You know, not a lot of not a lot of point guard or not a lot of, a lot of players knows how to really keep the composure and say, hey, okay, let's do it. The only team I have seen who done that is the Spurs. It doesn't matter if they're down 20, 30 points. They still follow the same system and then slowly they come back. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and other teams, they panic and then they say, oh my God, it's, it's seconds. You know, da, 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 da. And then now you give it to the player and they say, it's second. And then they just make a, a, you know, you know, they shoot a tough shot. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, that was what I used to like to do because if I do that, that, that would, you know, that would slow them down. You know, you would not be able to have 30 points. You know what I'm saying? You probably finished the game with 16. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, hey that'd you be know, success. That was exactly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, moving on, moving on. Did you have like a welcome to the league type moment? You know, as a rookie, was there one of those where you were just like, "Oh my God, I was not expecting that. I got a lot to work on." Maybe it's like a, a quick, you know, dunk on you or anything where it comes to mind of like that was my first welcome to the league moment. My first welcome to the league moment, man, uh, it's when I finished to, you know, I wasn't invited to the draft and I decided to to go. And, you know, I always say, like, you know, I worked so hard, you know. Um, you know, I had to I had to get any workout I could get. Uh, I had to work out for, like, 18 teams or 19 teams. Wow. You know, I was sleeping at the airport. You know, I went to hotel room. You know, the people, the convention people didn't leave, so I had to go outside and I barely got sleep and then, when I finish, you know, I jump in the next flight, you know what I'm saying? And my agent's calling me, say, you, you still got it, man? That's, that's, that's four workouts in four days. You, you okay? I said, man, this is one time to one chance, man. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep getting in any workout you can get for me. Um, so, well, you know, and we did it. At the end, you know, I told him, I said, listen, you know, I went to the draft and I sit on the stand. You know, and and I said, I'm going to face my I'm gonna face my results. I mean, you know, I'm a man. I work hard. I know I give my best. And, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to be the kind of guy staying home and be ashamed if I don't get drafted. No, I feel like I give my best and I give my everything I got. So I did that. Um, and then when I got drafted, I was in shock. I was like, whoa. And then, you know, and then funny story, I went right back to my college and a dorm. <laughs> and I went to my dorm room and I'm sleeping and I was driving my little Buick receiver I bought. And my teammate was like, man. So why are you driving this this crap? I said, man, this crap is the crap you were asking to, <laughs> to loan you all the damn time. And yeah. now you're bougie now. <laughs> I be like, you still driving this damn Buick? You know. And then I was I was uh, you know I went you know I dropped I dropped the Buick. I, I think I bought my 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 new car. You know, not even a new somebody or some player had a car for sale. I bought it on the January on the next year. You know, because I was still driving my Buick. And, you know, players were making fun of me. Yeah, I would be like, man, you got money now, man. Go get yourself a good car. I said, it is a good car. I bet and you then, love that yeah. car. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what my favorite moment was? 
What? Is when Ayaz, Ayaz Rolls Royce was on the highway on the 76 <laughs> and, 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 and went out of gas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, I went out of gas in the morning. I'm driving my Buick. I slow it down just in purpose. I put the window down. I said, you okay, point guard? You okay, buddy? <laughs> he was like, yeah, tell coach I'm going to be late. Oh, uh, that's amazing. And, and, you know, I pressed the gas. I pressed the gas really fast with my little Buick. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, uh, and the coach Brown, coach, Brown was, coach Brown was yelling in practice one time, you know. He said, look at that. People got expensive jobs. Sam got a Buick. Listen, you make it to practice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's reliable, you know. Got you oh, where you needed God. to be. Yo, those were the moment, man. You know, I was laughing. Me and the rookie were like, yeah, yeah. You know, we were, we were happy because, you know, the vet always makes fun of the rookie. Of course. So we were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because when the coach scream at us, you know, they're like, they are, they're laughing. <laughs> you see all of them laughing at us, whatever. So now when the coach, when the coach is speaking for us, at least they're trying to do the right thing every single time. But what your guys are doing? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! This moment was like there was like epic moment, you know. Oh, and, um, definitely. I, I yeah, think everybody, fun. every NBA fan, would probably pay to see what AI's <laughs> expression was like on the side of the road that oh, day. Oh, yeah, I love it. You should see his face, man. You should see his face with the little his do rags and his hands, you know, <laughs> and the car, and the car, and the car over there. And you know, so funny too. You know, the you know the world's where you're so big. Sometimes yes. when you sit down, all you see that little head sticking out like a bubble <laughs> head, you know, with this thing like you know, that and that and that big car, you know. And I was looking at him, I was like, "You okay?" That's a bubble chop. Chop. You okay? He said, "Yeah, man. Tell coach. Tell coach. Tell coach. I'll be late." I said, "Don't worry. I'll make sure I tell him." Don't worry. <laughs> oh my god. So- so, when you uh, when you were talking about maybe not even getting drafted, well, you end up going in the first round, and I thought what was interesting was yeah. eight centers taken in the first round, something you really don't see that much anymore. We just saw the Houston Rockets experiment with a really small lineup, no one above six yeah. seven. Do you think we'll ever see the return of the big man, or do you think teams are going to continue to go smaller and shoot more threes? Listen, I mean, you see, it's like it's, I always say it's like a stock market. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's that curve. You know, up and down, up and down. There's an era you see the same thing come back again, even if he's if he's old school and fade away, and it's gonna come back again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And what I think is happening right now is uh, you start seeing the leagues are becoming like a European league. You know, it is because it really in Europe, is. And yeah, in Europe, you know what I'm saying? You got the big men handle the ball. They practice the same thing like the guards practice. You know what I'm saying? So here. Uh, the problem is we were very limited and 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 and, and kind of like wall play, you know. You're a big man, you can dribble the ball no more than two times. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, who said you can dribble the ball the two times? So automatically you train your mind to say, oh, one two, oh, I got I got to catch the ball. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and 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 you see that a lot. And then when I started to play, grab the rebound, don't dribble, give it to the point guard, run down the floor, go under the basket, hold your hand. I'm like, come on, that thing's not gonna be. It's not that easy to just go under the basket and just. Hold it and grab the ball and go. Come on now. And then and then and then the funny thing is, is a lot of time, the coaches who are talking to you are point guard. Yeah. <laughs> so so you like you like you be like okay, that's what you used to do, you know. Oh, but you know. And then that's what's that's what's going on. And a, a lot of time, you know, and you be like, yo, it's not that easy to just run. You know, there's not a big man who's gonna bop me. He's not gonna let me get positioned inside the paint. And then if I do get position, the ball has to come very quick and fast, you know what I'm saying, so I can make the move or get him in foul trouble. But there was nothing like that because there was no emphasis on 
saying, okay, let's throw the ball inside. You know, back in the day, you throw the ball inside the center. It was the center of everything. You oh, know of course. Saying? Triangle you know, offense school, with Lakers. You know? Shaq yeah, moving in and out. You can have the best the mix of ingredients. Mm-hmm. You can have the best mix of ingredients in, in your path. But if you don't have this, it's going to, to, to turn it up, to stir it up, to mix it up, to make it taste good, that's it. So sure. now what you see is, you know, players or, you know, big men shooting threes. I mean, gosh, I mean, if I took a jumper, 70-foot jumper back in the day, you know what I'm saying, or, or three-point, oh, man, Coach Brown will call a timeout. I was going to say the same thing. I didn't want to disrespect you, but I felt like Coach Brown might take you out. No, it's not disrespectful, but I understand the thing because, you know, think about it, man. Okay, I'm a mathematic guy. Okay, you got between, depending on the team you're playing back in the day, you got between 60 to 80 or, or now you have like probably 90 possession because mm-hmm. the game yes, is going definitely. fast. Okay, 200. Back in the day, when you play the Sixers, okay, it doesn't matter if you're from L.A., okay, you're averaging 110 points a game. You play against us, your score is going to be like 70 points mm-hmm. because we shut it down. Our defense, we slow the game down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's a different type of, type of game. So my thing is, I knew already when I came in to accept my role. I know AI is going to take 30 shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I he knew, I knew yeah. this person is going to take 10 shots. I knew this person is going to take 15 shots. At the end of the day, what's left for Sam? You know, offensive <laughs> women. You know what I'm saying? Alley-oops. 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 You know what I'm saying? Offensive women. Get some offensive women. So there was no problem with me. Like, when I got the ball, I just gave it right back to air. I said, shoot it again. Because I know, I know I'm going to get more women. <laughs> exactly. So I used, to, I used to laugh at him. I used to be like, yo, you can shoot 40 times if you want. You're the man. <laughs> hey, he's one of the best scorers of all time. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I used to tell him that all the time. You know, and guys used to get mad at him because, you know, other guys have to eat too. You know, they understand the situation. They feel like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I, I got to put some points so I can get my next contract. Exactly. I can get my family. So I understand. You know, I put myself in everybody's shoes. But, you know, at some point, I'm like, yo, maybe that's not the team for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no. That, that is, <laughs> there's a lot involved in that. That next contract <laughs> is going to fuel a lot of people. And uh, yeah, it, it's going to play 40-something minutes. He has to. And that's the crazy thing. Sam, I want you to, after this, look back at how many minutes he truly did play per game. And it was always yeah. over 40 for about eight yeah, years. Yeah. That's unheard of now. Yeah, yeah, it's unheard of because now this is what you see now. You, know, yeah, you see you see now a lot of time players, you know, you don't see players play too many 82 games anymore. No, you know, no, barely players, anybody. Players would take a, yeah, we, we, they would take a break, you know, the body, you know, um, you know, and it's usually like, you know, uh, after the All-Star, you know what I'm saying, you know, you see guys taking some breaks, you know, and getting ready, especially if the team knows that they're going to make the playoff. So guys want to get themselves ready and have, you know, some boost of energy for the playoff. Um, you know, and back in the day, you know what I'm saying, if you're not reliable, you know, it was a it was a problem. You know, like I mean, as you can see, I was playing a lot of eighty two games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I didn't want I didn't want people to use the excuse like because I had surgeries, okay, I can't I'm not reliable, I can't go. You know, at some point I think like it was me and uh, uh point guard, um, you know what I'm saying, we were we were playing like over three hundred sixty five games consecutively. And oh my god. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, I mean, you can imagine. And plus, I play, you know, um, you know, I play the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, With, uh, and, Canada, right? Was it? Yeah, in Canada, yeah, mm-hmm. and on top of that, you know what I'm saying? And then at, at some point, my, my coach didn't want me to go play because he's like, yo, man, you know, I'm scared you go play in the national team, you get yourself hurt, you know, because a lot of players at that time, 
you know what I'm saying, who is exhausting themselves over the summer. And then when the season about to start, you know, they're not really fresh to start. And then you really take them 15, 20 games in the middle of the season until they start really get back in, in the top shape. Um, so, I mean, I understand that, you know, especially when you have a, an investment you make on, on someone and you want them to be able to be ready. Um, so... It's a tough line to tiptoe, you know, trying to do, you know, represent your country, also represent your team, the time off Mm -hmm. in between, the 82-game schedule, plus the playoffs. You make a deep run. You could be looking at 90 to 100 games in the year. Uh, Before you know it, it's time for you to start start getting yourself ready for uh, for, a training camp. It really (laughs) never ends. Um, One of the last questions I wanted to ask was, you know, selfishly, being a huge Indiana Pacer fan that I am, you know, you got to play against those Pacer teams in the early 2000s, specifically 2003, 2004, when the brawl happened against Detroit. The Pacers, I mean, you're talking about Ron Artest gets suspended for the rest of the year. Yeah. You know, eventually, you know, they, they trade him. Jermaine O'Neal is hurt. Do you think if that brawl doesn't happen that the Pacers maybe could win an, an NBA title? Because they were on the cusp at that time. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. A lot of time, you know, we're looking at that time, okay. Um, yes, because you can see that the chemistry was there. Mm-hmm. You can see everything was falling like it's, it's it's falling right there. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like somebody somebody asked me one time. You know, uh, I think I, I I did some records. You know, I broke some record in the NBA. You know, uh, the most points in in a, in a short amount of time, and and I shoot over eighty percent on the field, jumpers and things like that. And people said, oh, my God, there's a miracle. I said, but why are you surprised there's a miracle? But isn't it, isn't it the reason we have faith and we go to church and believe in God? <laughs> <laughs> so to me, to me, people were surprised when there's a miracle happen. I said, yeah, but what are we hoping for? We're praying every day we go to church for a miracle. <laughs> yep. so, so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when that happened and I, I, I started to understand Get in the zone, me. When when the guys when, when you're in the zone, yes, you're in the zone. You know what I'm saying? When you see Steph Curry was in the zone, oh, shooting yeah. up, heating up, zone. getting hot. It's in the zone. You know what I'm saying? And I felt it. I had I, I was I was very fortunate enough to have a feel of it. You know, some feel of it. And even the rebound sometimes. You know, I, I I can predict where the ball was gonna bounce. You know what I'm saying? At some point, I was with the Sixers in the first quarter. I had 14 rebounds. Wow, you know what I'm saying. So I can really, I can really understand it now. You know, especially players who been having that, you know, their whole career. You know, they they've been there before many times. Um, so yes, you know, when you got that chemistry, okay, you don't want to break it. You don't want to break it because that chemistry right there. And if something happened, and you know what I mean, and if one piece missing, it's very hard. And um, like I said, again, I'm going to use that example as a Spurs again. Okay. As you can see, Papavich always take one piece and change. He never come out there unless he's really mad. He sit everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> he's always got one little piece he put in to familiarize with, with the system. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, now he knows that, okay, if, I, if this one need a break, I know I can put this one in. Is gonna give me pretty much almost the same thing as this one. You know what I'm saying? So it takes very like to know who you have, the strength of your players and the weakness of your players, and you got to be able to put them in a position to maximize them. I you just know, feel like at, 
as a Pacer fan, you know, I felt like that was our window. I felt because like, you talked about that Detroit team that you went up against, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, great team. I just felt like that Pacers team, they had, if they could have really put it all together and if the brawl didn't happen, I felt like they were locked and loaded to go after a championship. And I know that's a team that you faced off with quite often being in the same Eastern yep. Conference. So uh, I'm yep. sure I'm yep. sure it was uh, tough. Any any good battles against Jermaine O'Neal? I got to selfishly ask that. That's my guy. Jermaine? No, we had some we had some battle. We had, we had some battle before. You know what I'm saying? At some point, you know, Jermaine O'Neal was always, you know, doing his things. You know, he was one of those those bigs, you know what I'm saying, that give the ball a lot to her inside. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime, you, anytime you're playing, this is the thing, anytime you're playing a team and when the big men get to touch the ball, even – Every single time coming down the floor, you got to be on your on point. You got to be on guard all the time, and 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 then you make it very difficult for you. You never get a break, and especially like somebody like me, I was playing defense. Okay, somebody like me was playing defense. So now, okay, every single time I got to be on guard, and he's challenging me every single time down the field. But then I don't challenge him. I don't challenge him on the other hand. You know what I'm saying? So that yeah. makes it very difficult because now I don't make him work. So he's taking a break. You know, because I'm setting pick and roll, I'm doing things, so that, that big man taking a break. So sometimes I used to be like, yo, let me run. You know, I would feel the big, I said, give me five real quick. Real. You know what I'm saying? Just to make him work, get a foul or something, you know? And uh, those are little strategies, like, you know, as big, we used to sit down and talk about, you know, um, on the bench. You know, we were like, man, you know, Shaq going to make us work today, but we don't make him work. So I was like, let's run, let's run, let's run. So, um, so that was it, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, hey, that's uh, we never really are able to put ourselves in the shoes of just all that's going on as an NBA center. But everything you just described shows it is a lot more than just rebounding, you know, blocking shots. <laughs> you know, you were up and down the court, and uh, you know, truly during your time, you were a player that you know, whenever I was, you know, playing around in like two K, and you know, if I was ever the Sixers, <laughs> I always loved the combination of Iverson and you. So. And I ran the floor with you quite a few times when I wasn't being my Indiana Pacers. But, Sam, I want to thank you for the time today. I, I appreciate and you. I, I, I know I held you longer than we planned on. But no, just no, shows... it's okay. No, it's okay. No, that was, I mean, that was a pleasure, man. And I want to say something to, to all the fans out there. Um, you know, I never get a chance to do that. And I want to thank all the fans, you know. Um, you know, non non fanatic, fanatic. You know, I know it's always. You know, again, we'll not be excited without haters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to thank the haters too because you know uh, they come out there buy tickets to promote and thank God today my family be able to support my family and take care of my family. Um, don't ever think me when we take you for granted, guys out there. You know what I'm saying? Like um, even though I got some of some of the guys used to always call me. And then, uh, um, you know, they also always like, yo, Sam, Donald, I hate you. I used to be like, I love you, I love you. <laughs> you oh know, so uh, those are the things. So I want to thank those fans out there, man. And then it's been a, it's been a great, I thank you. It's been a great career for me. And it's it's more than it's more than I ever asked God for, you know, the, the blessing. So um, thank you hey, out there, guys. That, that's amazing, Sam. You're truly a stand-up yeah. guy. Thanks for the time. And tell us where we can find you on social media if you have any. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we are, I, had, I had one, but I'm, I'm not good at it. Sometimes it takes me so long. <laughs> it takes me so long to do something. You know, hey, no, so no worries. No worries. <laughs> you know, you're a man of your word. It took, took us a while to coordinate this, but you delivered on that. So I want to say yeah. thanks, and uh, hey, have a great day. All right, you too, man. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. 
Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.